Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning as we continue our worship series and our sermon series um, in the uh, Storybook Bible. Uh, it is so wonderful to see or to be with you rather this morning. And if you are here with us live um, on YouTube in the chat, I encourage you, please just say hello. Say something like hi or we're here or Merry uh, Christmas or Happy New Year rather. Um, anything at all that just let us know that you're there. It's nice to connect with people who are still online digitally. And just um, a reminder that next Sunday, uh, the first Sunday in January, we are going to begin having regular in-person worship services. Uh, so for those of you at home, don't worry, we're still going to continue to do a pre-recorded version as well. And I will be online and in person on the service at the same time. So we're always going to be in chat and we will be connected somehow. But beginning next Sunday at 10 a.m., you can either continue to tune in on YouTube online, um, or you can actually come in person to the worship service at uh, 10 a.m., and we encourage you to do that. Um, there are not many other announcements. There are going to be a lot of things coming in January, and so just as a, as a reminder, please, 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 please read your loops. Read those Wednesday e-newsletters that go out. There's a lot of information coming up about uh, budget info meetings, congregational meetings, things like that as we begin this new year. And also, of course, new information like that we are beginning services next Sunday. And then the last thing I want to make sure you know is, is please let us pray for you. Uh, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter when you are watching this, maybe this is 2030. Um, please let us have the privilege to pray with you and for you, whether you're a believer or not a believer. And you can go to our website to submit those prayer requests. You can uh, limit that to just the pastors or the staff, or it can go out to our prayer train so that people can be praying for you, your family, and your friends. So again, today we continue with our sermon series, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Every story whispers his name. And if you have your own storybook Bible, and again, if you don't, there's still, we're going to be doing this through the spring. I encourage you, purchase one online through Amazon Smile and, um, and read these stories with your kids or with your family. But uh, this is on page 200, Heaven Breaks Through. Jesus has been born. And we are beginning the story now of Jesus. And so today we're going to look at John the Baptist and specifically how he prepares the way and how we as the church today are called to prepare the way. And in order to really fully understand this, I'm going to do something a little off, off script. I'm going to go all the way back and instead focus in first really heavily on the Isaiah passage, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5, which is is really where this gets fulfilled in our passage for today in Luke chapter 3. So if you're following along in your Bibles, which I really encourage you to, open up your Bibles to first Isaiah chapter 40 and then just kind of put a little pinky finger mark into Luke chapter 3. Now as we approach God's word, let us go to him in prayer. Our Father in heaven, our hearts are filled with joy as we celebrate this season, as we remember that our long waiting is over, that Jesus has finally arrived, that he has come. And we look forward to the day when he will return again, when he will call us home, when he will wipe away every tear. And as we gather together to now, in this in-between time, as the church, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would speak to us words of wisdom, 
that you would speak to us words of comfort, and that by the power of your Spirit that we would be changed from the inside out as your faithful and willing people preparing the way for you to come again. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Advent is a season about waiting. It is a season about expectant waiting. In the busyness of our lives, the idea of patiently and expectantly waiting is difficult for all of us. I remember this one time, a long time ago in Florida, I was at a long red light, and a woman got out of her car. She was in the car in front of us, and my wife and I were behind her, and she literally got out of her car while this red light was waiting, came back to our window to complain. I I opened my window down, which was my mistake, right? To complain about how long this particular red light was, and she was furious. And she was yelling as though I could do something about it. Her face was completely red. Five minutes! I've been here for five minutes! And over and over again, she yelled this at us. And she got back in her car, did a U-turn, 
because she, I guess she didn't want to break the red light law, but she's okay to do that. And then just after I could no longer see her in the rearview mirror, of course, the light turned green. Advent is a season about expectant waiting. I remember growing up and having these little Advent calendars where each day as a family, we would open the little windows or open the little doors for a candy as we got closer and closer to Christmas Day. And this year, of course, if, if you were following us online, we did this digital version of, of an Advent calendar to emphasize this expectant waiting. Now, with our family, granted, most of the time, either I or one of my brothers had already snuck the candy out ahead of time. But as we counted down the days, it built excitement and it built anticipation. And the same themes are at play when we, we light the Advent candles one Sunday at a time. Advent is a season about expectant waiting. Over and over in the Bible, we see this characteristic about God. He makes promises, and he keeps those promises fully. And when they are fulfilled, they are more than we could ever dream or imagine. Yet there is always a wait. We know the promise is coming. We can fully trust in our God that no matter the circumstance, the day is coming. Whether for, it's for us individually whether it's for our families, for us as New Hope Presbyterian Church, for us as Church Capital C, as the Bride of Christ, no matter what level of community with God our circumstances we find ourselves in, God is coming. Advent is a season about expectant waiting. And you know this, Tommy has emphasized this, the word Advent means arrival, it means coming. We wait with full trust and faith that our God is coming. God is coming. God is going to show up in our lives. He's going to show up in our broken families. He's going to show up in this community and in the world. We just don't control when that happens. Many of us in the wait lose it. We begin screaming, five minutes! We pull a U-turn and we turn around, losing our faith that God will indeed show up. Now, at the beginning of this sermon, I waited roughly 70 seconds before beginning. That 70 seconds, by the way, felt like a lifetime of waiting. How many of you thought something was wrong with the video? Or if you're watching this later, you just fast-forwarded through the 70 seconds. Now imagine waiting for 70 years. 70 years for God to show up. Israel waited for 70 years to return home from exile, for God to come, for his advent, and to answer the prayers of countless families that just wanted to go home, to go back to their lives, to go back to their promised land. We live in a very mobile society today. 
that is not tied directly to the land. But for Israel, the land was part of their identity. And even more than that, the land of Israel is a part of the promise that God made to Abraham when he said, you're going to have all these children and this will be your land. This will be your home. I promise. The people of Israel went through 400 years of slavery in Egypt. 400 years of expectant waiting that God would come and deliver on his promise that this land in particular would be their land and that they would have a home. God had commanded that a temple be built in a specific place and he said, this, this is where I will reside with my people. So when the Babylonians conquered Judah and they exported the people from their homes, from their land and from their God, it was a devastating moment. Is this the end of Yahweh's people. And as we waited 70 seconds, expectantly waiting to hear the sermon for today, the people of God waited 70 years. 70 years as captives in another nation. 70 years away from their homes, away from their land and their identity, 70 years away from their God, their religion, their central practices of their faith that revolved around the temple, 70 years of COVID restrictions of not being able to gather together. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah are about that period of suffering and captivity. And then in chapter 40, where we're going to hone in today, there is a glimpse of hope as Isaiah foretells of that day where the advent of God occurs. God shows up. Imagine every moment in your life where you've waited with bated breath, that you've asked yourself, maybe you're asking yourself right now, how long, Lord? Perhaps you've waited in your own life personally. You've waited with your family or you've waited with this church family expecting God to come and to show up. This is where Israel was as foreign captives. Maybe where you are today as we look at these verses of hope from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is an incredible passage of hope for those in captivity about preparing the way to return home. In this case, 
in the historical setting, the image is of the entire geography changing, the earth terraforming itself so that the way home will be prepared. Traveling in the ancient Near East was incredibly difficult. The closest experience I personally have ever had to it was um, in traveling when I went on a mission trip, a number of them, in Haiti. It can take just, it can take literally hours to travel just a few miles, depending on where you are, the quality of the roads, and the terrain. Now, a number of years ago, I was in Haiti, and I remember they wanted to show us this demonstration for us. And if you don't know much about Haiti, basically, the land has been devastated from deforestation. And if you look at pictures, it just looks unnatural, especially when you look at pictures of Haiti ge uh, geographically or, or from a top-down view of Haiti right next to uh, Dominican Republic. And the Dominican Republic is full of all these lush forests. And as soon as you hit the, the line of the countries, all of a sudden there is nothing. The entire landscape has been depleted. And so as a result of that, you have these, these, um, these devastating events when hurricanes and, and flash floods and all of this stuff, because all the trees have been completely taken away. And so one of the uh, mission partners we were working with is, was working on, or still is, on, on reforestation efforts. And so there's this patch, this area uh, this acre where they are working on reforestation. And so we had to hike to get to there. And it didn't seem like it was that far at first. And the, and the Haitians were telling us, oh yeah, it's not that far, it's not that far. I could see it. It didn't even look like it was that far away. And it was only hours later after going up and then down, up and then down, up you get the point, and then down, that over and over again, that with eager anticipation, we finally reached our destination. And finally, after the sun had been beating down on us, we reached this area where it was another world, this cool breeze and this cool shade in Haiti, in a land of deforestation. And you could almost hear God's whisper saying that this forest is the way that Haiti was intended to be. This is the way it should be. This was just a few miles to our promised land. The distance that the people would have to travel from Babylon back to Jerusalem would be about 900 miles. Not counting that they would have families of all sorts of ages as well as livestock. And so the imagery of this is of this huge processional of all of God's people, and God's messenger goes out in front, and he cries out, prepare the way, and the mountains lower themselves, and the valleys raise themselves up until you have the most ideal conditions for travel, a completely flat, barren terrain with absolutely nothing standing in the way of God's people with nothing standing in the way of God's promise, their promised land, their promised home. We all have a longing to go home. And you know, and I think during the holiday season, we feel this longing, perhaps this year even more, but we feel it more than usual. In other words, there is a seasonal opportunity during Advent, during the holidays, to connect with our longing for home. We slow down 
our fast-paced lives. We gather together around fires and the cold air. We take those perfect family photos and we send them to our friends and our extended family. We do our yearly traditions and we remember the good times of the past when we were home together. There is a deep longing in us to find a place, a time, a people that feel like home to us. And friends, God has promised this to us. God has promised to bring us home. And he has done so much more than bring down mountains and raise valleys. As miraculous as that image may seem to someone in the ancient Near East thinking about going home, even more so is that with the advent of Jesus, the way has been prepared for us to go to our truest home and to find our greatest longings fulfilled. Nothing stands in your way. The impossible obstacles of sin and death have been removed by the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, as He is the way, the truth, and the light. The way is completely clear, and God promises that He is coming again to take us home. His advent is soon. He is on His way, and we wait expectantly in faith. Now, obviously, crucial to this homecoming is the advent or the coming of our King. Israel recognized this. After they returned home to Jerusalem, things did not meet their expectations. Much as when we go home for the holiday, things never quite work out as perfectly as they ought to. So the temple is rebuilt, and there's this scene where all the young people who were born in Babylon are rejoicing. We're home! The temple is rebuilt, just like I heard in the stories. And all the older people, the wiser people, who saw how this temple paled in comparison to the glory of the original temple, are weeping and saying to themselves, This is not it. Even this isn't it. It's more than a physical land promised. It's more than pinning all our hopes on the perfect family Christmas where everyone gets along and every tradition goes just like it's supposed to. Coming home, real home, is about preparing the way for the king. Israel returns home and yet no, they are not truly home until their king, their God, comes to them. It's not really home without our Heavenly Father being there. And so 400 more years, Israel expectantly waits to hear from their God again. There are no prophets, no voice from God, during these 400 years between the last prophet of the Old Testament and our passage in Luke 3, John the Baptist, there is nothing. Catching up to our place in the Storybook Bible, Luke chapter 3, 15 says, 
the people were in a state of expectation. And all were wondering in their hearts about John the Baptist as to whether he was the Messiah. Was he the one that had finally come to bring shalom, to bring them peace in every sense of the word, to bring them home at last? And as we read the story, we realize that this is another one of those moments of expectant waiting, of Advent. God had promised to make all things right. And just like that, waiting in exile for 70 years for that moment where God fulfilled his promise and brought his people home. So at the beginning of the New Testament, after 400 years of waiting, God speaks again through John the Baptist. Luke chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. John the Baptist went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet a voice of one calling in the desert prepare the way for the Lord make straight paths for him every valley shall be filled in every mountain and hill made low the crooked roads shall become straight the rough ways smooth and all mankind will see God's salvation does that sound familiar we see this in so many places in the Bible God makes a promise. People expectantly wait for the promise to be fulfilled. It's called faith. And through time, God's time, the promise is fulfilled over and over and over again in greater and greater ways. This promise of Isaiah is already fulfilled the people were brought home from exile. And now in Luke 3, we see the fullness that the promise is even richer and fuller than we ever imagined. It wasn't just imagery about God taping the people out of Babylon. He literally is coming himself. And John the Baptist is the messenger that goes out in front of the procession and says, prepare the way. And this time it isn't geography or the land that needs to be prepared, but the people who need to be prepared for their king. This wasn't a call to geographically orient themselves towards Jerusalem away from Babylon, but to have a fundamental turnaround in their way of life in orienting themselves towards God. John the Baptist is saying, God is coming. Look at the path you are on. How are you living your lives? And get ready. Prepare for the advent, the coming of your king. This speaks to us today, right? This is God's word for us today. We as the church find ourselves in another period of expectant waiting. The word advent comes from the Latin adventus, which is the translation of the Greek word parousia. You might have heard that one before. It's a popular Greek term because it is the word that is consistently used in the New Testament to describe the second coming of Jesus. We are waiting for the advent 
the second coming of Jesus in which these promises will be completely fulfilled in ways that going back to Isaiah, Israel could have never imagined. Their best hopes were for a king that would be like David, that would free them from the Roman oppression. They had no idea, they did not expect a king who would free them from the fear of sin and death, much less the day that we are promised when God himself will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain, that all those things will be gone forever. As the church, we look back on Christ's coming and celebration, and concurrently we look forward in eager anticipation of the coming of Jesus. When we sing songs like, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we aren't just remembering that Jesus has come, but are expectantly waiting for him to come again. We are captive Israel. We are waiting for the Son of God to appear. And in the meantime, we as the church are preparing the way by living the way. As I said before, the way home, the way to reconciliation with God is open. Jesus, in his birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension, raised deadly valleys and lowered impossible mountains so that the way is prepared for us. In fact, the book of Acts, um, in there, early believers and followers of Jesus um, were called followers of the way. As followers of the way, we live the way by challenging our hearts. Yes, Jesus Christ has come. He has fulfilled his promise by giving new hearts to each of us. And yet each of us knows that that struggle is not complete. If we are truly to live the way, we have to constantly challenge our hearts because the kingdom of God must reign in here before it will reign anywhere else in our lives. We have to look in the deepest valleys of our hearts and the mountains that we've set between ourselves and the Spirit of God. When we sing songs like joy to the world and we say the verse, let earth receive her king, the next line is let every heart prepare him room. Advent is a season that we as the people of God purposefully slow down we reflect and we engage in sober self-examination. As the people of God, as his community, this is the time of year to challenge our hearts. We also live the way by demonstrating the kingdom with our lives. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Preparing your minds for action and exercising self-control. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the return of Jesus Christ. We look forward to the return, the advent of Christ, not just by reflection, but by action. In other words, when God's kingdom reigns in our hearts, when his, then that is when his kingdom values will reign in our lives. When we sing, let the earth receive her king. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, it is an expectation of the advent 
the second coming of Jesus. And it is also a call in our own lives to live out his kingdom value now in the places that we live, work, and play. We as the church live the way out by living out his kingdom values now on earth as it is in heaven. We demonstrate his kingdom as we invite the outcasts in, raise the downtrodden up, become peacemakers in our lives, and live out our lives in the light as royal children of our Heavenly Father. These are just some of the aspects to look at as we challenge our hearts and as we seek to demonstrate the kingdom of God with our lives, because we as the church are the voice in the wilderness John the Baptist's role was to represent the Lord God before his people, and his message was to prepare the way for God's work through Jesus Christ. The promise of Isaiah was fulfilled when Israel was released from captivity and went home. It was fulfilled in an even greater way when John the Baptist prepared people for Jesus, and now it is fulfilled yet again as an overflowing promise as the church the body of Christ, you who are listening today represent a foretaste of the kingdom of God. You, church, are God's messenger, God's message to the world. You are the ones as the body of Christ who will prepare the way during this time of expectant waiting by living the way. We come down from our mountain peaks in humility, and we raise up those in the lowest of valleys as God's church, God's voice in the wilderness. Let me read that passage in Isaiah again in light of this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, the voice of the church. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places as a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. We have a longing to return home deep within us, that as great as these holidays are, will only be fulfilled by the advent of Jesus. We have a longing for our King and our God deep within us that will never be fulfilled by Santa Claus coming to town. Long for him more than your children long for Santa. Join together in a state of expectation that his promise will be fulfilled. He is coming Prepare the way as we live the way by challenging our hearts and demonstrating the kingdom in our lives. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Our Father, God, we give you thanks and praise that Jesus has come and that Jesus is coming. In the meantime, Father, change our hearts. Be at work within us that we might demonstrate the way, that we might prepare the way as we expectantly wait for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
at this time in the service is usually when we call for the offering and we just because this is the last sermon of 2020 um, thank you so much for your faithful giving. This has been a very difficult year financially, and yet um, with a lot of effort, a lot of volunteers, and a lot of faithful giving, we have, we have weathered the storm, and um, we're looking now to 2021. Um, and I just want to make a, make a note. Uh, this is from our contribution managers. Just a reminder that all your 2020 gifts that are mailed to the church, they need to be postmarked by December 31st, in order to be counted for the 2020 envelopes that are postmarked. So, um, in other words, you've got to have it in the mail. Even if your, um, your check is dated for 2020, if you're not postmarked by 2021, then it will not count towards the year 2020. I know that's important for taxes and other reasons, so I hope I, hope I said that right. Again, just make sure everything's postmarked by 2020 if you want those giving offerings to count. And again, thank you so much for your faithful giving. Now, in the Storybook Bible, just after John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus, he baptizes Jesus, and the heavens part, and the voice of God himself says this. This, from the Storybook Bible, this is my own son, and I love him. I am very pleased with him. This is him. Listen to him. Heaven had broken through. The great rescue had begun. Please join us next week as we continue the story. Let's go uh, in person, 10 a.m. and online, 10 a.m. Um, we look forward to seeing you then. God bless and may the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit be on us all as we go forward from here. Amen and amen.